Welcome back to High Minded with McCarter, featuring my co-host SK. Hey everyone. I'm super happy about this episode. We brought on Chelsea Joseph, an amazing woman and pioneer in the cannabis industry. She is the owner of The Republic, which is a dispensary and a fully vertical operation here in Boulder, Colorado, right on the outskirts. So we talked to her about so many amazing things. Yeah, she also runs White Label. So um, that's right. Doing that's a the lot other of company. Other, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, um, eleven um, com- brands that they run. So right, she's yes. doing a lot, promoting a lot of women-run businesses, doing some big stuff. So yeah, I love awesome. that she took like the term White Label. And then made it into a brand. Yeah, for so sure. So her, like, the name is, well, it's, like, all caps. So mm-hmm. I think it's W-H-T-B-L-B, wait, L-B-L. L-B-L. Oh, my gosh. W-H-T-L-B-L. I have a hard time with um, acronyms, which I feel like it kind of is an acronym. Consonants. Co- yes. Consonants. Okay. Wow. Yeah. No, but for. I feel like for, we're going back to school. I'm oof. back in English class right now. Back to school. The chalkboard. But no, no she did school like, us. She actually. Unintentional. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Chelsea she is amazing. Laid down the wisdom. For She's sure. been in the industry in Colorado since 2008, I think. 2008. Okay. Yes. Yeah. She started. Um, oh, she's epic. Yeah. Totally in the underground. Consulting. Yeah. She was doing consulting, but she started in her basement right. growing. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, we yeah, get a you peek guys... into the original Colorado underground market, which is so intriguing. Pre bud tenders, the caregivers. Um, yes. I don't even know much about the caregiver kind of legacy. Yeah, I feel like um, we're so far from that now with legalization. It's, um, you know, you walk into a store, it's a retail experience. Um, but it's basically like a Mac store, yeah, like an Apple store. An Sorry, Apple store, Mac. totally. <laughs> I mean, when you go to places like MedMen in LA, it's like yeah, really that experience. It's mm-hmm. And I will tell you, we can, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the Republic Chelsea's dispensary it's really nice. It's really cute. They have their own, I think it's like one or two acre outdoor farm they just harvested. And then, yeah, they partner up with 11 different brands to produce the THC and cannabis and even hemp or CBD that's um, found in all of the 11 products and brands that they partner with. It's so interesting. Yeah. And um, at that facility, they are going to have the lab where they're um, processing their own concentrates and everything to sell it. That's such a cool um, compound kind of thing right there on the border. of. uh, Oh, yeah. They have a compound. A compound. (laughs) Yeah. Right on the border of those cities, uh, Boulder and Lafayette, I believe. Um, Because they have a grow, the the extraction lab, they're bringing the CO2 and the butane mm-hmm. extraction lab, which we touch on extraction at the end kind of of the discussion. Yeah, we interview. got schooled for sure on um, how and why people choose to use butane or um, CO2 versus right. um, rosin, which... Um, we love the solventless. Totally solventless, um, team solventless. Um, yeah. Way, so we just took <laughs> some solventless dabs of Viola, some papaya jam live rosin. Oh my gosh, yummy. It was so good. It was a smoothie. Yeah. And we did, we're trying to manifest um, getting Al Harrington on the podcast. So if you know him, um, you know, please connect. but thank you all so much for listening to another episode of high minded but yeah please enjoy this episode with chelsea joseph brought to you by hemperbox hemper.co and stay high Welcome back to High Minded with McCarter, the podcast where we discuss cannabis, plant medicine, all sorts of things with my co-host SK. Hey guys, what up? And today I am super excited to have Chelsea Joseph on the podcast. Welcome. Hi, thank you. We're so excited you can make it. So glad to be here. And I just saw you in Vegas. We had some fun at the Sensi zodiac party yes i came super late but it was really good to see you and 
Over the last few months, I've seen you a few times here and there, and I've been meaning to like connect with you more. So I'm so glad that we're finally able to do this. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So you own the dispensary, the shop, the Republic. Is it the Republic? I know Shop the Republic because that's the Instagram. Right. So follow them on Instagram at Shop the Republic. Thank you. But it's just called The Republic off baseline. That's right. Yep. It's the Republic, and we're a 24 acre property in Boulder County. So on one side is City of Boulder, one side is City of Lafayette. We're kind of in this oh, really unique sliver of I didn't know County that. Land. Yeah, it's kind of the reason we can exist is the outdoor and the co-located dispensary and manufacturing and stuff would never fly in the city. So we're um, the outdoor grow is just a little shy of an acre, that fence part where we're able to outdoor. Yeah, and then cool. the building uh, it's about 15,000 square feet. We have a manufacturing facility, an indoor grow, and then the dispensary, of course. So Wow. Yeah. You're such a badass oh, boss. Thank you. I'm just like, <laughs> congratulations for doing this. And you're like, you're someone I look up to literally. Oh, thank you. All the time. And I'm just, I love to see, you know, other females out there in the cannabis space who have licenses and are like doing like big deals. Like you work with Wana Brands. You work with Jane West. I kind of want to start from the beginning. If you can tell a little bit of your story yeah. of how you got into the industry and then taking us up to now, and then we can go from whatever. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, thank you. That's very sweet. Yeah. Um, so I'm 31. Oh, I, my gosh. I, a spring chicken. Oh, thank you. I know. it's. Um, I've been doing this my whole career, basically. I'm trying to do the math real quick in my head. I'm like, 2008 is when I got into it, so it feels wow. like I've been doing this. You're an OG. Yeah, <laughs> for a while, but like at the same time, it also feels like the first year. You know, it's like right. constantly <laughs> new, and like of course the pandemic like changed everything too. So I'm like, it's a whole new thing now. Oh and, my gosh. Um, so I got into it then. It was a medical market, really strict. Um, you know, cancer, HIV. And uh, you're from Colorado, right? Correct. Yep. Yep, so born and raised here. Um, my dad was really sick, and we were kind of looking for like anything. And I think at that time, there was a lot of people who came to the industry sort of like at a dysfunction. Like there was a lot of people who moved to Colorado for because they had a family member who was sick or, you know, it wasn't like a um, lucrative business. It was kind of like a very scary sure. kind of place to be. Um so let's see. We started before dispensaries were a thing. We were growing in our basements and our garages and Amazing. meeting people in parking lots and at their homes and sometimes like at their places of work. I had a, a patient who ran a car dealership in Boulder and I would like go to the dealership and like meet him in the parking lot and like wow. he needed medical marijuana for, you know, specific ailments that the state allowed at the time. But there was, of course, like chronic pain, which was the catch-all. So like if you had a back surgery or like broken bone or something like that, you could usually find a way in. And so it just kind of took off. Um, when the rules passed in Colorado, it was, I want to say 2011, and that allowed for retail storefronts and like commercial grows. Um, before that, and it's similar in a lot of the West Coast states, like Oregon and California and Washington, they had this like caregiver collective where- Oh yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, for like each patient, you got six plants. Yes. And that's how you like grew these inventories. And um, so- Anyway, in 2011, we had one dispensary and we grew really quickly. Uh, we went from one to seven in about 18 months. And um, my business or my boss at the time, her name's Jill, she ended up selling that business in 2013. Um, and I, uh, started to get into consulting. So license applications and like operational support, mm-hmm. kind of like a global tour of consulting, um, and decided I did not like consulting. Came back in 2017 and started White Label. Okay. So wait, where were you when you were just, well, you were traveling all over? Traveling a lot. Okay. Yeah. I spent a lot of time in Chicago, um, a lot of time in Las Vegas. Uh, wow. I actually probably did the most work in Las Vegas. I probably had like 20 license application clients when they first, like the first round of medical oh licenses my. were issued. Yeah. So a lot of the licenses that exist today um, I had a hand in filing in the very beginning. Um, wow, yeah, that's Chicago. Crazy. We worked in Puerto Rico and Hawaii and wow. um, all over. Yeah. 
That's amazing. So you were in it from the beginning, from the medical program, and you saw firsthand at how cannabis could help these medical patients, including your father, right? Yep. Yep, exactly. And he was, uh, he, it was really like a, he has a rare cardiovascular disease and it's something that you can live with, but it was more the trauma of the surgeries. He's had like 34 surgeries in my lifetime. Oh my. Yeah. He's had, he has like a mechanical heart valve. He's had a lot of stomach surgeries and like it's the recovery and just the, the trauma really. And, and the drugs that they give you yeah. after the fact that kind of spiral. I'm watching dope sick right yeah. now. The amazing like opioid, um, like series exactly. on Hulu right now, and it's just shocking to see all these people just fall victim to I know. opioids. Yeah. I've caught a little bit of that show, and it's it, they do a really good job of representing it because a lot of the people who get involved with it are, you know, they go in with legitimate ailments and injuries, and they come out, you know, yeah, drug addicts, or you know, that at least they're they're treated as such. So. Yeah, totally. So did so your your dad used cannabis? You know, he was. Um, you know, a big user in the 60s and the 70s and Love was it. all about it. He was very <laughs> nice. excited. He almost, like, didn't believe that it was, like, a legal thing. Oh, my gosh. Um, I love those people. I know. He's like, <laughs> I don't know. And I'm like, look, it says cookie dough. And he's like, mm. And so like, he he was very excited about it. And it was, like, a really profound experience for me. And I had a lot of these experiences in the early days, and it's kind of something – like why I made the decision I made. Of course, my parents weren't very keen on me working in the industry. Like, okay, um, you know, federal raids were a daily reality back then, and like a lot of people were going to jail, and it wasn't like it is now. And so, okay, you hear, wait, can you explain that a little bit more? Like, how can there be federal raids when you're in a legal state, like uh, trying to operate? Legally, and do you have any experience with any? <laughs> I don't, thank goodness. Um, you know, there's like security reasons and stuff too. You know, like um, there was a lot more robberies back before it was unregulated, like it is today. I mean, it was. It's kind of like the gray market they call it, where it's like there's these rules that allow people to grow and sell and stuff, but there's not a lot of framework around it that provides like security okay. for anything. Um, whereas like the the rules that we operate by today, I think the latest set of med rules that came out were like 380 pages long, and they're very robust. Um, wow. And it's consumer safety, like all the testing and the packaging, labeling, and then you know operational safety yeah. and all that stuff. So wait, do you personally have to read all of? Oh yeah, I know. Them. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd be like, okay, I'm going to read and then just, you know, skim. Hi, let's highlight the yeah, main well, points. <laughs> yeah, I know the main ones. There's some that like, you know, there's uh, some that don't pertain to me, like lab rules and stuff like that. But it was definitely a thing back then. Um, there were no, there's no like talk, like people talk about like the Eric Holder memo. memo. Like um, if you remember, he was the attorney general under Obama's, I think, second administration. He was saying, uh so long as you're in unambiguous compliance with state law, we're not going to mess with you in so many words. And uh -huh. so a lot of like the banks and like even the DEA lost some funding over it and, you know, they kind of backed down a little bit. There was none of those like mainstream discussions Okay, back then. It was still kind of, it was very taboo, you know, I mean, think about where you were in 2009 and 10. They, uh, my dad, so he... It was a profound experience because he was the, the things that we were having trouble with were eating and sleeping, which are like critical healing functions, wow. you yeah. know. And that happens to be the case with a lot of people who are struggling with a lot, you know, many conditions um, across the spectrum, just eating and sleeping. Mm -hmm. um, and he was eating two meals a day, sleeping like four to six hours at a time after using. Um, cannabis and we had edibles at the time. They weren't tested, which was kind of funny because it was just like <laughs> you get what you get. Yep. We don't Here know. We go. <laughs> there was no labs. We were like, we put a gram oh of butter in this. So like, <laughs> we don't know it's like who made the butter. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> wow. So were you growing? Did you? Yeah. Okay. I grew. Um, at one point, I had my my parents' entire basement turned into a grow, and then they had how some, many plants? Maybe like eighteen. Okay. okay. Yeah. Wow. Inside. And where were you getting your genetics at that point? Uh, other growers, like caregivers, okay. we call them. Like okay. I get clones from. So okay. it was very underground. Totally. Like, yeah. Super, yeah. And uh, the dispensary, the dispensary that we operated, we had clones there. And now time for a quick commercial break. Hemper is an online accessory company. They have papers, glass, lighters, really cool stuff. 
But my favorite thing about Hemper is that they have this monthly subscription box. It's a really good deal. It comes to your door discreetly every month, so you don't have to be running out for papers mm. late at night if you're just trying to roll up a joint to fall asleep and you're out of papers or tips. And it's they're themed, which is really fun. So you can check it out at hemper.co. Hemper.co. You left to do consulting all around the U.S. and, like, the world. Yeah, I say that, but it's, like, North America, I should say, like, Canada, some South American work, mostly the U.S., um, Puerto Rico. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what did you not like about consulting? So I did, uh, originally it was, like, application work. So when the first couple rounds of merit-based licenses. So this is um, not the West Coast states that we were talking about before where they had this like caregiver market that the state just like kind of flipped into this regulated market. Mm -hmm. This is like prohibition states that were like, okay, we're going to give you licenses and like we're going to have this application process. And sometimes it was um, based on like the population's of patients that had these certain conditions, like um, Missouri, I think is where you're from, right? Yeah. And I know there's a lot of drama around like how how it comes to be, but like oh, essentially, yeah. I think, and this is the case in Missouri too, is they did an analysis of how many people in the state had these conditions, and then based on that number, is how many grower licenses they're going to issue okay. or how many dispensary. Where they're like, tell us how you're going to operate your business, how you're going to grow, how what your products are, and it's you know ends up being these. So in some cases, thousands of page applications that we submit to the state and then they grade them. They usually have like a third party company that they've hired to to grade them and then they issue the licenses. And Wait, they're, they're literally like, you get an A minus, B plus, They grade you. C. Yes. Wow. It's like a number basis where like the uh, max is like 200 points and you might get 10 points for the security section and oh, all okay. these things. And whoever has the highest points gets yeah, the license. Usually. So that's what I did is I, people hired me and I worked at a company, um, Denver Relief Consulting, uh, Denver Relief, they used to have a dispensary, um, Ian Sieve and Kayvon Kalatvari and Nick Heiss were the owners there. Ian Sieve is now the, the Wait, cannabis Wait, I know star. Ian Sieve, yeah. Yep, so he used to be my boss at the consulting no firm. No way. Yeah. I know him because he was friends with Ricardo when I yep. worked at Grasslands. Yes, yep. So And then Kayvon is like starting his own world in Trinidad and just doing incredible things there. And wow. So but anyway, I worked for them doing uh, the writing, and then we started to win applications and had clients all over that needed operational support. So designing their buildings, hiring staff, training them, you know, designing the products. And this they were very, you know, sterile medical products at the time. We had like capsules and tinctures and like, mm -hmm. you know, lucky if we had flour. In some states it was different. Like Nevada, we had flour and some like cool products out of the gate. But um yeah, and then it evolved into some like chief operating. I went independent in 2015. Okay. Stopped working for Denver Relief Consulting, went independent, um, and was working for a number of companies at that point. And the problem with it is that um, there's no control. Like, you know, that's at the end of the day what the problem is, is like you could tell someone what you think and like how they, you think they should run their business, but in the end they're going to like do what they want to so do. True. And, yeah. And then you have to like be there to clean it up anyway. And so uh, like, yes. oh, I really hate this. I didn't like it at all. So we had a few projects that um, – just kind of took that path and was like, you know, we should just do this ourselves. Then you bought a license from someone else in Colorado to start yes. White Label in the Republic because you have a fully vertical right. operation. Yeah. So we got in the funny thing about it is um, when I worked for Jill, her the name of her company was Col uh, CDS, Colorado Dispensary Services, and we had like seven locations, like I mentioned. So we were like a management company is how we okay. kind of structured CDS. And we had this suite in Lafayette that was um, – Lafayette's like annexed all the operators to one block. So like all the growers are like in one block. And we had a building there. And since we had been there like seven years before, they've chopped it into like four units – and there's like four oh. growers in there, and we moved into one of the units in our original building, or in Jill's original building when we first came back to Colorado. Okay. So, um, and it was a 2,000 square foot unit. It was very small. Um, you know, we grew really quickly, and uh, I had at one point like almost 20 staff members working in that building. Oh, <laughs> so it was wow. like pretty insane. Do you okay. do you mind me asking like how much you bought? The license for, or it did you was, have to buy like separate licenses? Yeah, I bought four at the time, or like gotten out of the consulting business, and I had a chunk of change from that. And so I bought two 
rec licenses of manufacturing and a grow and okay. then a medical to match a, a, a grow and a manufacturing license. And then the medical business has just kind of dwindled down after the last five years. That's, and- that's what I've heard. We were asking, I think we were asking maybe Aaron Shaw, like if he thinks, like what he thinks gonna, is going to happen with the medical market here in Colorado. And I wanted to ask you the same thing. Yeah. It's kind of sad actually, you know, in some ways, but, um, maybe at some point we can get some higher potency limits and something on the rec side. I'm not sure if that's practical or not, but that it is pretty tragic, but yeah, it is falling apart and the supply chain, you know, it's just not a lucrative business right now to cultivate or to manufacture in the space. And so there's just, how come, like, why is that? I'm not really sure. I think it's just such a limited market that when people are looking at where they're going to prioritize like their efforts, it's just not usually there. They're just making so much more money from rec. Right. And there's like no incentives for them like to do right. medical. Yeah, not that I'm aware of. It's not like the state is like, oh, we're going to give you these tax breaks or something right. if you do a medical program. Yeah, I mean, I think the taxes are a little less, but it's not not like, enough to not make enough. a difference. Yeah, we're like, oh, we're back. Yeah. Wow, that's so sad because I feel like that's kind of yeah, like how that's how all these states are coming online. And then it's like, are they just going to all dwindle out? Like, because Missouri's only medical right mm-hmm. now, but obviously everyone's trying to get wreck. Yeah. And so then, are they all just going to follow this like pattern that Colorado's kind of following? You know, right? Because I know a lot of people or markets are basing their programs at, off off of Colorado. Right, and I know that there's some ideas for solving it. Like in Nevada, for example, the product isn't declared like a medical or a retail product until it's at the point of sale. So all of this like red tape that you would encounter, you know, up until the sale to a patient. um, To like produce it? Yeah, to to procure the input, like the trim or the distillate or whatever, you know, and make your product and then sell it to a medical dispensary. Like it's all the same until you sell it to a patient. I like that. So you don't have to have two separate storefronts. Yes. So you were saying there's like 380 pages of regulation. How many pages do you think there should be? (laughs) Like how much of that is necessary? Oh gosh, probably more actually. We need more, you know, unfortunately. There's just like more things like being exposed over time. Like right now it seems like the testing results are expanding pretty rapidly. Like uh, gosh, in the last 18 months, we've had heavy metals and pesticides and water activity and a lot of different tests wow. that were never even a thing um, that are now required. Wow. Um, and so there's, but then there's like with each one of those, there's like, well, how do you remediate this? And like, how do you move product that's failed for these things across it? Like, like there's so many yeah. um, like uh, trickle down effects that you have to write rules around, yeah. unfortunately. So sadly, it has to be more. So what do you see as like the biggest... Um, like the biggest hurdle for people trying to get into the industry. Cause I feel like everyone is always, you know, DMing me on Instagram and is like, I want to do what you do. And I'm just like, I don't even know how I got here. You just got to start doing it. Like just start working with the plant, like get a job, like a bud tender. Like you were, you were a bud tender first, right? I mean, yeah, I guess I was like a parking lot tender. Like I'm not really sure. Like there wasn't like a like a it, bar, you know. Like it wasn't it, called that. Yeah, it was like a caregiver in the very oh, beginning. Okay. But yeah, I definitely well, was SK, a bartender. SK was a bartender. Sweet, too. Yes, yeah. And I always said I was going to be one and then just kind of went the like advertising agency yeah. kind of route yeah. and then fell into the social media. Yeah. And now do consulting. So, <laughs> well, there's so many, there's so much room in the ancillary space, too. So much. You yeah. Know? So you don't have to be plant touching usually yeah. to be involved with it in a meaningful way. So can you tell us, that kind of reminds me of your client, Jane West. Can you, yeah. uh, or is it a partner, I guess, of yours then? Um, yeah. I mean, I definitely consider she her a partner. Um, and I actually have known her since the consulting days. I met her when I worked at Denver Relief Consulting and she started Women Grow. That's right. Yeah. And so she was doing something else. Like They event. were one of the first accounts I followed and I was like, this is so cool. I want to be a part of this. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Back in like 20. 14 or yes, something exactly. Like that. Yep. And then, um, edible events, she tried, you know, it was just, it was before it's time. That's for sure. Yeah. So I met her then when I got my license in 2017, she was like thinking about starting a cannabis brand. And so it was like perfect timing. We launched with the mini joints and that product is still around today and, um, is one of our best selling SKUs in Colorado and I think nationwide, but she's grown that from just being in Colorado to, I think, gosh, she must be in 15 States, um, now. And then she has a huge deal in Canada. Um, we 
send out, we are kind of like her co-packer in a way. So we send out all the packaging for the other markets and we've had Spanish labels that like went to a Barcelona client once and we have Oklahoma Whoa. and Connecticut and um, Massachusetts. So you're almost and, like her like manufacturer, like warehouse kind of people in Colorado. Yeah. For the THC products. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting because we have, gosh, 11 brands right now that we're manufacturing for and each relationship is oh a little gosh. bit different. Wait, stop. <laughs> Go back. You have 11 brands that you guys are doing all almost all of the manufacturing for and like selling. Yes. Yeah. That is so insane. I can't even <laughs> hold on. I can't even imagine like doing one brand like I know. Let alone um, how do you do it? I don't know. Just tell the people how you do Just it. Just keep swimming, you know. I don't know. It's it's uh Luckily, most of our brands are, you know, especially now I'm feeling really good about our lineup and like what we have in the next 6 to 12 months, like ahead of us. Yeah. The pandemic, I think for everyone, and you could probably say this across like every occupation, like we have had a lot of lessons, mm-hmm. you know, and so we've lost a lot. Um, I think we had like four brands dissolve over the course of the pandemic and, wow. you know, others have That's just had. so sad. I know, you know, and it's for one run, like funding usually, but um, one reason or another. And uh, so we've got, a, we got a lot of lessons out of the last 18 months since so we're kind of like reformulating yeah. Right now. Yeah. It feels like. Do you see a lot of the smaller cannabis brands being sucked up by the big corporate kind of like? I hope not. <laughs> I did. Because um, so, I saw Wana brands might be sold to Canopy for like a crazy. Yeah. Um, what was it? I don't know. $293 million. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yep, and I saw Nancy at like the nightclub in Vegas. Like I think it was in the Cosmo. Yeah, and I was like, "Congrats on your thing!" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's huge. I mean, she's still in power. She's still in control right now, and it's a really good deal. It's you know it sets the bar high for all of us in the category, which is you know really great. Um, wow, and sh- they've worked so hard and developed such a like quality product and brand, you know, it, it's mm-hmm. just, it's really good to see because you see a lot of funny money in cannabis and yeah. this is one that, you know, I believe in, um, but it's also an option upon federal legalization. And so, you know, just, if you can yeah. think, just think back at how long it's taken us to get through banking and the fact that we're not even there yet. And it's like, it's going to be a while, mm-hmm. um, but it's, it's a great deal and I'm really excited for her. So is exiting like what you would eventually like to do? I think so. You know, it depends. We have so many things going on, like right now in Colorado. So Colorado is, um, I would kind of like stand that on one, like alone where it's, you know, me, my partners, we have a very small group of investors. And um, then we have Oregon where we're manufacturing Wana gummies. So that's um, just a manufacturing license. We're not vertical in Oregon. And then in Ohio, we have a... um, grower processor license, so everything except for the dispensary. Um, And we just closed on a 10-acre farm in Ordway, which is like like right outside of Pueblo in Colorado. Oh, okay. Um, I heard there's a lot of grows down in Pueblo. Yep. So, (laughs) you know, we have a supply shortage in Colorado. Can you explain the, like, grow shortage? How is this happening? Because I thought everyone, like, what... With the stimulus checks, you know, everyone's <laughs> yeah. buying weed. Like, you know, when everything happened, people were freaking out that dispensaries were going to close. Then they were like, it's an essential business. So, like, did we all, like, consume too much? Like, that, like, enough wasn't no, in No, God, I wish that was the problem. <laughs> I w- That would be okay. even better problems to have. But, no, it's – so it's not shelf flower, not, like, eighth – like, a bud or like something you would go in the store and buy an, a whole flower, like an eighth or oh, quarter it's ounce, just like, like stuff industrial. To make it's trim, it's whole flower material. And it happened because we had a pretty severe fire season in 2020. Like we had one this year, but if you remember in 2020, it was like raining ashes yeah. for like weeks. That was yeah. terrible. Yeah. And so those ashes have um, like their structural fires. It doesn't really happen so much around like. I don't think around like forests and stuff, but when there's like structural like cars involved and stuff, there's like a lot of metals get caught up in this mm. fire and that comes down in the ashes. Oh and so gosh. we had a huge portion of the trim supply from 2020 fail for heavy metals. And what I was talking about earlier, there was no provision in the law for how to remediate that or if you could transfer it. Usually right. Like, you, can you just put it through a machine and remove Right. And the labs are like, metals? we can't test it. We can test it in the flower, but we can't test it in the concentrate. So like it, it was just like this big oh holdup. And so, you know, the labs are 
and and it makes sense. I don't mean this like in a bad way, but when they write the rules, like the labs are like, okay, let's get the standards and try to make this a reality, you know, and it just takes some time. Yeah. Um, and so we lost a lot of, you know, Los Sueños was, I think, probably the biggest farm in the state at the time. And he lobbied, the, the owner of that company lobbied really heavily to allow for heavy metals to get through. And I think they actually ended up getting it through, but, you know, 10 months later. And uh, so it has more to do with the testing than in in the input for crude and distillate and okay so it's like we had the product but then with the new laws it like the product didn't get through the new testing laws right it like wasn't up to par it failed yeah wow so um these laws don't make any sense um or like it's like they do and they don't it's like they have good intentions but then like the when you compare them to like like the organic foods market or like other stuff like I always compare cannabis to like the alcohol industry yeah. and it's like we are they're not being treated the same. No. <laughs> no, not at all. And in some ways it's like it's kind of good like you know to answer something you said earlier when you were like what can you do to like get in the business or like things are moving super fast and big companies are getting involved but like I've kind of found this like peace with it because there is such a strong culture that backs up there is the use of this plant, you know. And being at MJ BizCon, it was like I could feel it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like I came back with a lot of motivation from that. It was kind of the, the lesson from a couple panels I went to, where they're like, they might have like the money and the infrastructure to like do these things overnight, but like what they don't have is like the use case or like experience or knowledge, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. you know, I think, or it's just so like cool. a thorough understanding of the plant. Even mm-hmm. I, I did want to touch on we have we met. Like, well, I feel like I'd met you before, maybe at an event or something, but we really met through Angela with High on Love. And yeah. so, like, I was there, with, you know, with her at MJ BizCon, and it's super interesting trying to, like, be there for her brand and look for, like, her connections. But then also, like, I have a couple other clients, so I'm like, well, I'm also, like, th- keeping that in the back of my head, but trying to, like, weigh out who who's, like, reliable and, like, actually going to be, like, a good partner and who is, like, blowing smoke up your ass, mm-hmm. basically, is, like, people – things, like, people talk about a lot at MJ BizCon, and sometimes it's ho- hard to, like, sift through, like, who are the, like – you know, the, like, true people who are going to, like, who actually care about this plant and, like, not just trying to make money. Were you nervous to, like, get into business with people in the industry when you were, like, getting a license and all this stuff? Because you were, like, oh, my God, they could be great or they could be shit, like – I don't think so. I think we vetted we vet our clients pretty good and usually like they're not brand new and I I hate to say it like that because you know I don't want to start like I don't want people to be afraid of starting a brand or right. like starting a product or something like that but they were real when they came to us. You know like Angela is a perfect example. Yes. Jane, like these women are like walking embodiments of their brand at all times. Yes. You know, and she's going to have the hemp seed business and the CBD business and it was mm-hmm. just like a natural fit. Totally. You know, so I think maybe that's one thing is like it's it's obvious when someone's all in or if it's just kind of like a side hustle. Totally. When you try to avoid, uh, avoid the, the side hustle. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, it's so interesting. Yeah. Do you have any questions? I was going to say, so um, is that part of your company's mission um, to work with women or to um, like kind of stick with companies that you trust and that are established? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like the women thing, maybe naturally, like I gravitate towards that. I'd like to think it's kind of coincidence. Like I... um, yeah, we we work with some really wonderful women, but we also work with some really wonderful men too, you know? And um, I would like to, one of the things I picked up from MJ Unpacked specifically was some um, like social equity brands or, mm-hmm. um, pe- you know, uh, minority owned brands that are looking to get into this space who are like real deal and like have like packaging concepts and, yeah. you know, like formulations and like they've tried and tested a product and um, it might not be well known, but it seemed like you know they're they're definitely dedicated, and mm-hmm. I would like to get more of them on board. But yeah, yeah definitely like uh, you know trying to fill a catalog of products that are you know don't compete with each other, mm-hmm. but also fill all the product categories. Because in cannabis, we kind of have you know 
flower, concentrate, edibles, and topicals. And then there's like micro categories under each of those. Yes. And, yes. and it's just getting even, even you know, more filtered over time. So there's a lot of opportunity. What do you see the future of the industry being? Um, I think it's going to be very similar to how it is now. Like we're going to see some consolidation over the next couple of years. Um, and I don't think that, you know, legalization on a federal level is going to happen at any fast speed. I think it's going to be very slow. I think I just remind everyone, like, just look at our response to COVID. Like this is, you know, a state's <laughs> issue, right? Like I think it's going to be up to each state um, to write their own policy. So interstate commerce and some of the stuff that the feds are going to have to address is probably like, I'm going to guess five years away. Okay. Um, you know, I'm still waiting for banking to be solved 10 years later. And I, and yeah. I hear it every day, like people be like, did you hear about the bank? I'm like, okay. It's like nothing's been passed yet. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm like, we talk about this every by the time. house, but the Senate will probably <laughs> knock it down. <laughs> like, right. Pass like, anything. Like, uh, I hate to be so jaded, but it's true. I'm just like, I can't, waste time on it when it's just, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I uh, took a class in June at CU in the law school about, and, and one of the focuses was like federal, like, you know, rolling out a federal program. And one of the, the exercises was like all of the federal agencies that would have to get involved. And like, I can name like five or six, but there's like 30, <laughs> like Everything, you know, department of, and the FDA is kind of getting its feet wet a little bit with, well, you know, a lot of it with um, CBD and right. hemp and how it's like regulating it as a substance or a, um, a supplement. Mm-hmm. And um, the FDA rules are three times as long as the marijuana rules, you know, that's it's pretty incredible. That uh, gives me some like, yeah, hope. so they're figuring it out, but it's taking time, you know, yeah. and that's especially the FDA. with the Delta 8 and Delta 10 and THCO, yes. like. I feel like that almost kind of negative in like negatively impacts because people are like, wait, what is this? Yeah. This yeah. is new. I definitely want to talk about that. Yes. yes. Like <laughs> please, what do you what do you think? Like oh, God. So I mean, and it kind of goes with along with the same answer of like what I think will happen is because, you know, so yeah, there's so much work to be done with the Fed so to even implement something. So we're years away, you know, and it's good because we're not ready for it. No. You know, yeah. um, and so it does provide some cover. And honestly, like people like me where I may have had like some early success with consulting, but like I have no generational wealth. There's no like, you know, person behind this with money. Like I am a middle class, like at best person who is able to make it because Mm-hmm. you know, General Mills can't compete with me or, you know, something like <laughs> yeah. that because they're too scared of getting in the space. So I'm like kind of grateful for the cover that this, um, you know, totally this is provided for us. But with uh, the minor cannabinoids, I, you know, I'm of the opinion that anything that is mind impairing needs to be regulated under the marijuana side of things. Yeah. And every gram of everything that I produce is regulated, you know, to the milligram, yeah, you know, and and so it's everything's traceable. Whereas when you're making a derivative of hemp, hemp doesn't have an inventory system yet. I know that they're really. I don't think so. I mean, I okay. Uh, I, I mean, mean, I guess there might that makes be metric sense. in Colorado, but it's not like mandated. I don't think for tracking weight. I think it's for testing and moving it into okay. cannabis. It's all very complicated, like because you can you can <sighs> uh, receive hemp derived isolate and um, distillate so long as it meets all the marijuana requirements in Colorado. So like I and my cannabis business use cannabis-derived THC and CBD that I grow and produce in-house, but I also uh, procure like CBG, CBN, and actually Delta 8 from hemp-licensed folks in Colorado. Got it. So that you can use that stuff in in the other products. It just has to be tested using the same lab and um, requirements. So like... Potency of residual solvents, microbials, okay. all this. So, things. what do you do with the Delta Eight? So, right now it's an R and D, but I'm, okay. I, uh, I'm like, wait. <laughs> I know. I yet. I'm what I'm looking for right now is a lab that can uh, analyze the peak differently from Delta Eight. And right now, the labs okay. that are licensed from the Med that I'm aware of, I've talked to a couple of them. They can't differentiate the two. So, if I wanted oh. like a hundred milligram product where it was fifty milligrams Delta Nine and fifty milligrams Delta Eight. Their lab result is only going to show 100 milligrams 
THC. Like they're not. Yeah. So I don't, that's my problem right now is like, I could tell you it's in there, but I kind of want the lab report. Yeah. (laughs) That's so weird. Whoa. Testing is crazy. Well, I have some more personal questions if that's okay. Okay. So I want to know what, like how your favorite way to consume currently, Mm -hmm. but then also the, the first time you got high and like how and when. Oh, gosh. The first time I got high was behind the bowling alley in Lafayette. Yes. After, it was um, church, After school? No, church group. Oh, my gosh. Do you guys remember Wait. youth group? Yes, I oh, had yeah. youth group. Yeah. Yep. It was like Wednesday night or something. Mine and was Wednesday yes. night as well, yep. actually. <laughs> yeah. It was great. Youth group. Except I felt like I was high for like a day and a half. and uh, like You didn't like sleep it off? No. I, I woke up the next day and I was like, I think I'm still high. And then I started to worry that it was like not gonna. I was like, should I tell my parents it's not gonna go? You're like, I'm gonna be like this forever. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. And luckily, my parents are super, like, they're cooler than me for sure. And they knew right away. Um, I did. They knew. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There was no fooling. You were a residual high from yesterday. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. I did some really dumb stoner stuff like in those days. Like, I remember once I put ice cream in the pantry. Like I ate some ice cream and I put it back in the pantry. <laughs> yes. And I would go in the kitchen in the morning. My mom was like, hey. And she just flings open the pantry door and there's just like ice cream down <laughs> oh all of gosh. the shelves. And I was like, <laughs> so rough. Yeah, and she was like, have fun. And she's like, it just walks out. That's like, so. Wait, so how old were you when you first got um, high? Gosh, it sounds terrible, but I think this was eighth grade. No, that's seventh okay. Grade? That's, yeah, it might have been seventh that's grade. That's the consensus almost. Well, I was eighth grade, like 14, yes. 15. Yeah. And that's, we had some stoned appetite on here as well. And they were at church camp. So another church yep. youth group situation. <laughs> yeah, church really uh, brings people think, to the. Yeah, they were like eighth grade, ninth slant. grade, 14, 15. <laughs> like that is the age. Yeah. Yep. And I didn't really like become a big stoner until high school. Okay. You know, I smoked yeah. a little bit and then I was like, nah, I don't really think so. And then maybe like my junior year of high school, I was like, I'm smoking weed every day. Yes. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then how's your favorite? How do you like to consume now? Oh, right now I am doing a lot of live resin, really like vapes. I'm a big fan of Green Dot. Um, yes. You know, I'm just all the live resin. I'm live trying resin. to have um what what's her name? She Alana. Yeah. On um the podcast. I cuz I met her at the Green Dot yeah. Fall Harvest thing through Aaron Shaw. Do you know Aaron? I think so. Yep. He's he's my homie. He cool. introduced me to all the best people, Aww. I feel like. <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying to get her on, but yeah, Green Dot is doing great stuff. I love their rosin. Yes, me too. And they have the best live resin, I feel like. You can find two in Colorado. Yep, we love it. Very um, consistent. Big part of uh, the Republic's, you know, sales, and yeah. um, I can see why. And I, probably, oh yeah, you only have like there's stuff in like West Edison, in West right? Edison. Yeah, we are. So part of the you'll have to come through um, at some point. We're starting to build out the lab. So that smaller building in Lafayette, I was talking about, we're moving everything over to Boulder. So the CO two okay. will come over, and we're adding butane. So okay. pretty soon, maybe in the next four to six weeks, we'll have. Um, Very cool. A butane lab and be able to do live resin and butane awesome. products in house. So we'll still have Green Dot and West Edison. We'll just have our own internal brand. That's Ooh. really cool. Yeah. Will you Will you guys ever do your own rosin brand? Probably. I'm all yeah. About the rosin. Yes. Yes. I know exactly. I'm like maybe it's I'm just solventless. like because it's popular right now, but like truly that's what I'm about. I want it to be like <laughs> as clean as possible. Yeah. You know, like because mm-hmm. even though I don't know, even though you take the you know remnants of the solvent out, like I still feel like it, you know, it's been touched yes. by the solvent. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> Forever tainted. Yeah. yeah. No, yes. but water, Not ice really. water hash is really good too. I mean, we might yeah. do some of that, but I'm really excited to get the lab back up and running in Boulder. That's, so that's awesome. Stuff coming, yeah. Can you explain a little bit, because I feel like people always ask like why people choose to do like CO2 or the butane or ethanol or like, is it all dependent upon like price and like how much it costs to produce or like all the equipment or like the end product? Like you say with butane, you can make live resin and with CO2, you make distillate, right? Yeah. Yep. So it's, I would say it's kind of a combination of all those things. For us, it was distillate and CO2 because most of our product goes into 
um, edibles, okay. you know, or a topical. And you're not doing rosin edibles. Right, and we don't have, yeah. So, and we could. I mean, rosin is technically like a heat press, mm-hmm. right? And so there's no solvent involved, like you said, but mm-hmm. the yields are like next to nothing. So mm-hmm. there's a problem with that. Like if you, and I don't know exactly what it is, but just say it's like 1%. So if you put, oh wow, you know, Whoa. 100 grams of flour in there and you pressed it and you got one gram of flour, like, or, or one gram of rosin, you have to then translate that. Maybe no. you make two carts, like two half gram carts, <laughs> no. you know? Yes. But where distillate, you'll get, I mean, so CO2 will get like a 60 to 65% yield. Okay. Wow. And then we refine that through that a sense. short path distillation. And then there's other techniques for that, but you refine it down into like just THC usually. Uh-huh. Um, and that is from trim to distillate is somewhere like 12 to 15% on a really like when you have good material. Okay. Um, wow. Just in weight. So you get so much more bank for your buck. And because that's trim too. Like yeah. you're using like way more of the plant. Right. And so when you have a gram of distillate, there's that's a thousand milligrams. Right. And yeah. so that's, you know, how many edibles, depending on your potency, usually it's a hundred milligrams, right? So you have 10, hundred milligram edibles out of that one right. gram of distillate, where with this rosin, you know, maybe it's seventy-two percent. You know, it just kind of uh-huh. depends on all of those things. But wow, um, butane is making a big comeback. You know, CO two is just—I think it was the preferred method for a while because it was the most bang for your buck. Okay, the yields were the best, and it strips away all the taste, the terpenes, the plant matter. Um, See, I don't like that. Right. And a full spectrum is. Yeah, I want the full spectrum. Yeah. But I mean, when you, if you talk to like a chemist, right, or like someone who's like after um, a compound, like all of those things are so variable and it's so hard to recreate it every time. So, like, there is, you know, it's interesting to see how it's going to shake out. Like, Lucid Mood is a good example. They're a brand that we manufacture for. Yeah, I forgot about that guy. We always have the funniest conversations. (laughs) I'm literally like, you're the weirdest and I'm the weirdest. So, like, together we're just, like, throwing people for loops. Like, (laughs) Angela was, like, just laughing so hard at, like, our weirdest conversations. I love it. He's a funny guy. Yeah, they're great. And they, but they have a distillate vape where we're, we add THC, CBG, CBN, um, a spectrum of terpenes, and we kind of recreate this full spectrum product, but it's the same every single time we make it. Whereas if you do a rosin press. Right. It's, it's going to be a different spectrum of full spectrum. It's going to be different every time. And like grams of wax shatter, like resin, like that's in rosin is like pretty easy, but it's just when you're making 200,000 gummies. You know, the amount oh of my God. rosin you would have to produce. <laughs> I'm like, no, we'll run 100 pounds in CO2. You know, something like it's it just, oh my God. There's a lot of different reasons why. 200,000 gummies. Some of the packs have 10 gummies in each, some of them have 20 mm-hmm. in each. Totally. So, like, the sale, the like, it'd be sales. hard to measure. Yeah. Right. right. And like, we have so many different flavors. We have 10 SKUs in oh. Oregon. And I know they have even more in Colorado because mm-hmm. they have all the extra the, quick ones and, and the peach bellinis. Yep. We have peach <laughs> bellini in Oregon. I love those. Yes. Me too. I love the strawberry marg, is my favorite. Yes. Um, the one to one is and so good. The, I had the apple teeny. Yep. Which was good too. They no, have, yeah, the one I love all one to one. Yes, stuff like yeah, products. They're my favorite. They have the new Optimals, which I'm really excited about. It has um, the CBN and the melatonin and the night one, oh. and then THCV, which is a really interesting play. Um, it's like an uh, suppresses your appetite, so it's kind of like an anti diabetic drug, or you know, that's kind of the claim actually, or like where the research is going Whoa. is it um, can help curb your appetite. So they're calling it. Want to fit? Um, the what? THCV. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Hold on. Wait. So this is a whole new product yes. that they're developing. Yeah. It's an. It's available. Um, I'll save you one at the oh store. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'll please. save you both one if oh, you want cool. it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm yeah, very yeah. Curious. That I mean, it's just so interesting to try it. Just to see how it feels. Yeah. Well, because it's in the Colorado market. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was like, I have to go to Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I know. We. I save hope that we get trip. to bring the optimal line to. To Oregon, but um, yeah, I mean the batches are very large. You know, Happy Bites is maybe one. I'm a little like it's easier to get your head wrapped around. That's a brand that we have here in Colorado. Right, it's I've like a candy coated Skittle. One batch will make forty thousand pieces, and then we package those in units of twenty. 
Okay. Um, I'm like, what's the math? I know, right? So, like, when you're infusing all of that, it's just so much easier to have, like, a vat of THC distillate. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. You know? Where you're like, how – instead of the rosin, you're like, what's the potency? What's in there? Like, you have to redo yes. your math every time. It's going to taste different. Oh it tastes gosh. like plant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Very so there's true. Some, yeah. But the vapes, I'm like, I'm all about it. I love a green dot vape. Yes. And, oh, yeah. You know. <laughs> totally. So good. Yeah. I, I oh, think yeah. that rosin is – it feels like it's the new thing, but it doesn't have to be in everything. Like, yeah. it's – I like that. There, There's right. a time and a place. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. That's – And I still love, life. like, flower. Like, there's – nothing oh, can beats just, like, right. a good bong hit or, like, a, a nice joint. joint. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I know. There's a time and a place for everything. Yeah. 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 So I'm like, I'm about to take a dab here. But wait, I think we should wrap up. But the last question I have – if you could if you could get high with anyone in the world living or non not living anymore who would it be <laughs> so I've never thought about that before really I'm tempted to say uh, Carl Sagan, just because I, you know, I know he was oh, like a really yes. big, and he would be super interesting to talk to and like probably totally. have a very nice substantial conversation with him. But yes, I'm also um, a big Lady Gaga fan. I went to her show. <gasps> yes, I in love Vegas. Her. Thursday. I saw she was I saw she was there and I was like, fuck. That would be amazing. I have to go. Um, you and I is one of my favorite songs. Yes, by her. It's uh, that would. I mean, that's just the default answer. (laughs) Okay, nice, (laughs) amazing. Okay, so Carl Sagan or Lady Gaga? Yeah, the my living in my bed. What would you be smoking or like? Kind of a joint. You know, just like keep it. No one needs to get blown away here right now. (laughs) I mean. We're here for the company, not yeah, for the cannabis. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Very cool. Amazing. Yeah, thank well, you. Well, I think that's all I have for first round. We'll de- we have to bring you back on for <laughs> another round because I feel like there's definitely stuff we missed. But yeah, great intro. Yeah. It was really great to thank have you. you back thank on. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming yeah, on High Minded. Of course. You're the best. Everyone follow White Label. Yep. W-H-T-L-B-L. There no vowels. Go. Yeah. I no love White vowels. Label. Shop the Republic. Yes. And Shop the Republic yeah. is her dispensary. And then all the brands that you work with and help make happen. So High on Love, Jane West, yep. Wanda Pantry, Brands. Lucid Mood. Pantry. We forgot. I w- was going to ask you about Pantry because they're doing those awesome like vegan, gluten-free edibles. Yes. Yep. We have two new and SKUs like keto, in like a month. Yep. Which is something keto. that like they're going to get, I Finally. think edibles are going to get a lot healthier. Yes. Yep. And pantries paving the way. They've got in the, I haven't tried the night bites yet, but the day bites are delicious. Like Ooh. it's going to be a problem. But like, can we make these non-infused so that I can eat them? <laughs> Just eat them like so pop good. them all day without getting high and being like, <laughs> yeah. I can't do any like work anymore. I know. I'm like, I ate 20 of these because they're so good. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Chelsea. Thank you. You are the best. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you again for listening to High Minded with McCarter. Please leave us a five-star review and follow us on Instagram at highmindedpod and follow me at McCarterGetsHigh. Thanks again to our sponsor, Hemper. Go to hemper.co. Use code McCarterGetsHigh to save. See you next time, everyone. Stay high.